Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, I, I've got good stuff for you today. Um, I believe that the power of God is here. Do you believe it? Amen. You know, we felt it pretty strong in, in worship, and, and God started, started in today during, um, during sound check. You know when, when the power of God starts falling in a place during sound check that you got something going today. So um, I, I'm really excited to bring the word of God to you today. Let's start out with prayer and then we'll jump right in. Father God, we thank you today for your word. God, we thank you that your word is spirit to us and it's life to us. God, we thank you today that you've given us your Holy Spirit to teach us, to reveal truth to us. So we call upon the Holy Spirit right now to reveal truth to our lives. Teach us, help us to grow today. We give you praise, we give you honor in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. We're talking about Holy Spirit gifts and this is wrapping up uh, our series on Holy Spirit. We started out talking about fruit and fruit of the Spirit and then we're concluding here talking about gifts. Last week, uh, we jumped in and we started talking about natural gifts and what God has given us as, as natural gifts that every single one of us have. You know, some of us are very gifted in some areas and, and not so gifted in other areas. Um, I know that, that for me, I'm a, I'm a very creative type. Um, some people, they say, man, I just, I can't come up with ideas. I can't, I can't think outside of the box. I can't just create something. Well, for me, I'm all the time doing that. My mind is running 100 miles an hour constantly. Um, I can't, I, I mean, ask my wife. I can't go to um, a, an amusement park or go on vacation or, or even go, like, to Lowe's and not get an idea. Um, sometimes, and, and I'm, I'm not even kidding, sometimes I go and I walk around like a store or something like that, just to stimulate my mind. Um, I'll, I'll go and just walk around because I just want to see things. And then God begins to speak to me in those things. He begins to show me things and show me ideas. And, and um, I, I love to go to events, go to concerts. And, but anytime that I go to a concert, if you go with me, you would think, man, you're the most boring person at a concert. Well, the reason why is I sit and I take everything in. So I'm not, you know, up there. I, I've seen my favorite band in the world is U2. I've seen U2 five times all over the country. And when I go, I, man, I, I love their music. I belt it out in my car. I don't belt it out at the concert because I'm just like overstimulated. I'm looking around and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how do you do this? Oh, that reminds me of this. I could do this. I need to learn how to do that. Like, and just all the time. Not everybody's wired that way. When it comes to numbers, forget about it. Man, it, there are certain things, I, I, I'm fond of this saying, that your success lies in the way you learn to do the things that you're not good at. Because the things that you're good at, they come easy, right? Those are the things that, that you're going to just do naturally. Those are your giftings. Well, how you learn and adjust to do the things that you're not good at is going to determine your success. That's what's going to set you apart from other people. And so, to me, things like numbers um, are not good for me. Things like organization. I, some of you may have worked with me on different things and you think, man, you're like crazy on it has to be this way and you have to do it this way and you have to do it by a system and when you know why that is because I'm terrible at it but I know that if I don't do that then I'm going to fail 
And so I've determined that I'm going to be the best that I can at the things that I'm not naturally good at. Does that make sense? So I think in, in this, we recognize that God has given us natural giftings, natural abilities, natural talents, and we have a responsibility to use those natural giftings and talents to his glory, for his purposes. And I believe that as we do that and we give our natural abilities to him, see, he gave them to you, they belong to you. Whether you use them for his glory or not, they're yours. There are plenty of people walking around this earth that are extremely talented and gifted at different things, and they're doing really well at what they do. Well, that gift came from God. Maybe they're not using it for his glory, but the gift came from him. But what if? What if we took what God naturally gave us And we said, when I accepted Jesus, I'm all in. So that means everything that I have. That means my natural talents, my natural gifts, my natural abilities, I'm going to use for your glory. You know what happens then? God pours out his anointing on you. When he pours out his anointing, he's lending the anointing to you. That word anointing, it means to lend. To lend. It also means to reign. And so he's raining his anointing on you to fill in the gaps. What are those gaps? Well, God has called me as part of my calling to be in business. Well, I'm really good at coming up with an idea. Uh, Sometimes I'm not real great at implementing it and walking it all the way through. And so God has filled in the gaps with his anointing. And as he's filled in those gaps, then he takes me to a place that I could not go on my own. Because I just have part. I just have a little bit. And so he's taken me to a place where there is no question that the glory is his. There is no question that that anointing has elevated, has picked me up. And I call that your anointed natural. He's taken your natural ability that he gave you anyway, and then he's leveled it up with his anointing, or the rain of his spirit that is filling in all the gaps. What does water do? Water is always going to find the gap. Water is always going to find the weakest place. Water is always going to find the hole, right? And so I know that as God rains down his presence, as he rains down his Holy Spirit on those giftings, that he takes you to a place of greater purpose, of focused purpose. He takes you to a place of impact and impacting the world around you. Amen? Praise God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, today, we've been talking about natural gifts, natural abilities, things that God gave. I hope that you were able to watch the video that I posted yesterday. For a minute, it said Ephesians chapter 12, and and. Um, as Pastor Daniel texted me. See, I posted that at like 4.45, 5 o'clock a.m. as I was getting up in Albuquerque and getting ready to drive home. You should not post on social media at 5 a.m. Shouldn't do it because there is no Ephesians chapter 12. It's not there. I wasn't writing extra things in the Bible. Um, it's Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Um, and so I corrected that. Um, he texted me at like 7.30 a.m. or something, and it was corrected. So most of y'all didn't see it anyway because you weren't on Facebook that early on a Saturday, but just saying. Um, but if you didn't have a chance to watch it, then go back and watch it. We talked about Romans 12 in detail um, and, and where it lists spiritual gifts and begins to talk about those things. There's really three places in the Scripture that it talks about spiritual giftings, and one of them is in Romans 12. One of them is in Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about ministry gifts, and then one of them is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to talk about, no, 1 Corinthians chapter um, 12, and we're going to talk about that today. But we've all been given natural gifts and natural abilities. I want to go to James chapter 1 and verse 16, and this is where we're really going to start today. James 1, 16, it says, it starts off in saying, do not be deceived. That word deceived means don't be disillusioned. Don't allow yourself to be led astray. 
Do not be deceived or allowing yourself to be led astray, my beloved brethren, because every good and every perfect gift is from above. Say every good. Say it again. Say every good. And every perfect. One more time. Every good and every perfect. It says every good, every perfect gift is from above and it comes down. See, the gifts are coming down from the Father of light. For in him there is no variation and there is no shadow of turning. Do not be deceived. Do not be disillusioned. Do not allow yourself to think that your gifts came from you. Amen? Don't allow yourself to be deceived that your gifts came from just hours and hours and hours of work. Because it doesn't matter how many hours and hours and hours of work. If you didn't have that inherent ability on the inside of you, the ability to learn, the ability to grow, the ability to move, the ability to breathe, you didn't make it yourself. God gave you that ability, and he is the one that elevates that ability. Amen? Do not be deceived, because every good, every perfect gift comes from above. It says that the word good means valuable. I think we could have guessed that one. The word good means valuable. But look at this. The word perfect, it means complete for bringing about growth. So every valuable gift and every complete gift. Every complete gift. What does that mean? Well, if he's going to say that every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, that tells me that there's some gifts that aren't necessarily from above, right? Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Every complete gift, every valuable gift comes from above. Well, you may say, well, well what do you mean by that? I don't really understand. If it's a gift, I'm, I'm happy to receive a gift. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because we don't want to implicate anybody today. But have you ever received a gift that you're like, I mean, I appreciate the thought, but wow, what am I going to do with this? You ever received a gift that way? I mean, it's a gift, right? But I wouldn't call it necessarily a good gift. And it's definitely not a complete gift. Have you ever received a gift that's more work? Right? I mean, if we're just being honest, have you ever received a gift that's work? That's like Christmas when you have kids. The kids are really happy. And the, the parents are like, wow, yeah. Um... I need an engineering degree for this gift, right? Every good and every perfect gift, every complete gift, it comes from above. This is batteries included, guys, right? This is full assembly. Every perfect gift comes from above. Let me break it down in a practical way. Sometimes we're thanking God for that new job because that new job gives us a bigger paycheck. But what we didn't understand is that gift wasn't a good gift and it wasn't a perfect gift because that gift took away from your family time and your family's going to suffer. And that gift took away from your God time and your relationship with God is going to suffer. God is not going to give you a gift that's going to hurt you in another area. That's not a good gift and a perfect gift. Amen. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Sometimes we've been praying and praying and praying for that new vehicle, and then we go and you miraculously get approved for a loan that you can't afford. Is that a good gift and a perfect gift? It's going to make you struggle on the backside, and we're thanking God for a gift that he didn't give you. That's not a good and a perfect gift. That's not a complete gift. That's bringing you into a place where you struggle and he doesn't want his kids to struggle. God had a better way for you. Amen? But sometimes we get impatient in the gift. Sometimes we're praying and praying and praying. God, I just want you to bring me that relationship. God, I, just, I don't want to be alone. God, bring me, that, bring me that girl into my life. I want, I want that relationship so bad. And then this boo thing comes along and you are just totally enamored. But that gift wasn't a good and perfect gift because it introduced drama into your life. It introduced heartache into your life. That good and perfect gift that you're thanking God for caused you to take steps away from 
from your relationship with God and to get your eyes focused on the person and not on the purpose. Amen? That wasn't a good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Right? Every good and perfect. See, here's what it says. It comes down from the Father of lights. There's nothing hidden. There's no fine print. There's no, there's no hidden agendas in that good and perfect gift. It comes down from the Father of light. There's not going to be any surprises at the end of the day. Right? It's a good and it's a perfect gift. Because in him, there's no wavering. What does that mean? If God's called you to a purpose, if he's called you to a plan, if he's given you a direction for your life, then that good and perfect gift is not going to vary from that purpose. It's going to complement that purpose. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Even if you're feeling it today, you can still talk back to me. It comes down from the Father of lights. There's nothing hidden. There's no fine print. There's no surprises down the road. There's not a balloon payment at the end. There's no variation in his calling. There's no shadow. There's nothing lurking in the dark. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. For those that have made Jesus their Lord, God is pouring out his anointing on your gifts. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we read it last week. It says how God anointed Jesus of, what's that word right there? Nazareth. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus of heaven, Jesus of Nazareth. You could say it this way. As God anointed Jason of Carlsbad, or as God anointed, fill in your name, fill in where you're from. As God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Because he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Not because he was God, but because God was with him. See, I fulfill all the same things in this verse, and I'm not saying that, that I stand in the same place that Jesus stood because Jesus was anointed as Messiah. I'm not anointed as Messiah. The word Christ means the anointed one. Jesus is Jesus the Christ. I don't stand in, in the place or the anointing of Messiah, but what I do stand in is in the anointing to use my gifting to tell people about the Messiah. Amen? To be an ambassador. As God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed because God was with him. Just like God is with me and God is with you. And as Sylvia spoke today, and God is with her, with all of us. See, as we're going about on our purpose, and this is the meat of today, as we're going about on our, on our purpose, on our journey, we're using our giftings, we're using our, 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 our anointed natural, and God is picking us up and he's teaching us and we're growing and we're working beyond us. And as all these things are happening, then there will be times, I promise you, that you're going to get to a situation where you don't have enough. You don't have enough in the gifting that he's given you. You don't have enough in the anointing. And it just falls a little bit short and you don't know what to do. In those situations, he's given us extra gifts, spiritual gifts. Now we talk about spiritual gifts in a lot of different ways. And, and we, we mentioned the gifts in Romans chapter 12. And these are our anointed natural gifts. Things like, like giving and encouragement and, 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 and organization and those types of things. Teaching. But I believe that there are times that situations call for a supernatural gift. And in those supernatural circumstances and situations... It's where there is nothing else on this earth that will work except for God intervening in this situation. I believe that spiritual gifts in the supernatural, the supernatural giftings, we use them a lot of times in church and we see them in operation in this church. We saw them this morning in operation in this church. But I believe that the primary place for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Please bear with me because I'm working on changing my terminology. 
And I, I've said for, for my entire life that these are gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is true, but there are different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so please forgive me as I say supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit because I want to clarify what I'm talking about today. See, God works on me too, right? He's working on all of us. These are given for use in the street. They're not just given for use in the church. I would actually contend that the primary use for the supernatural gifts of the Spirit are for use in the street and not for use in the church. I'm not saying it's wrong to use them in the church. We have scriptural precedent of them being used in the church. But they're also given for use in the street. They're used as we're going out and we're just accomplishing purpose through the giftings, the natural giftings, and the anointed natural giftings that God has given us. And as we're going through that and it calls for something supernatural, then boom, the Spirit of God drops supernatural in our life and we begin to prophesy or we begin to to heal the sick or we begin to, to operate in working of miracles or supernatural faith rises up on the inside of you when there is no reason to believe and you still believe. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 6, but there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works in all. There's, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. To one is given the word of wisdom. Now I want to point out one thing, and we're going to come back to this scripture, but I want to point out one thing here today, at this time. It says a word of wisdom. It doesn't mean that if you operate in this gift one time, then all of a sudden you have all wisdom for all things. I know that if you're on on Facebook or Instagram or or, or Twitter, you do have all wisdom for all things. I know that because everybody on there does, right? Everybody has all wisdom for all things. Just ask. And everybody's got an opinion, and their opinion's right. But what I'm saying here, that God gives us a word of wisdom or a word of wisdom knowledge for a specific instance at a specific time for a specific purpose it doesn't mean that you just automatically walk around knowing everything see that's that's God's status you're not mature enough to handle that and neither am I (laughs) you're like amen word of wisdom through the spirit to another is a word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the spirit to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. He distributes those individually as He wills, not as I will, I can't say, man, this would be a really good place for a word of knowledge right now. No, they're distributed as he wills, not as you will. The availability of the gifts, and I want you to get this today. The availability of the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit is a direct result of your stewardship of your natural gifts. I'm going to say it again. The availability of the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit is a direct result of your stewardship of your natural gifts. Why would God move on you in the supernatural if you have not utilized your natural gifts that he's anointed to accomplish the things that they're meant to accomplish? If I'm walking around not tapping in to the gifts, not cultivating the gifts that God has given me, not using the gifts, not growing in the gifts, not using them for the glory of God, then why would he pour out the supernatural giftings if I haven't learned to use the natural gifts that he gave me? Sometimes we're over here and we're saying, God, I want to be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to show you in a minute, a lot of times that's because you want to draw attention to yourself and not to him. 
There are too many people walking around saying, I want to be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what their purpose is, is to draw attention to them so that they can make their name great. But God's saying, I already gave you giftings. I already gave you abilities. And you're not using those. If you'll use those and use the anointing that I've given you, then if you come to a situation that you need a supernatural gift, I'm there and I'm giving it to you. But what's the purpose? It's not for you. It's to reach that person. It's to reach out to that individual. It's to help that person. It's to bring them to a place where they can call on the name of the Lord and they can be saved. That's the purpose of the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise God. In Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, there's a lot of scripture here. Matthew 25, verse 14. I'm going to, somebody took my drink. Come on now. Is it still there? I don't know, I didn't say it. Can somebody give me a water? That would be awesome. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It says this. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money. Now, I want you to understand that he is talking about money. Now, there, he's going to use the word talents, but the word talents was a unit of measure in that time. So he's not talking about abilities here. He's talking about money. Make no mistake about it, but this is not a message on money, and I believe that the, the principles that take place in this story are applicable to what we're talking about today. So he entrusted his money to them, and when he was gone, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Thank you, sir. And he gave them, gave these bags of silver, dividing it up in proportion to their abilities. Now, what the master was doing right here is he was making an investment in somebody. Last week, we said that as God pours out his anointing on you, he's making an investment in you. He's lending to you. Maybe you would look at it and you would say, well, I don't think that I'm really worthy of an investment. Have you looked at me? Have you seen the things that I've done? I'm not really worthy of an investment. But I'm really happy to know that when God looks up my credit history, he sees paid in full. Amen? Paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And so it's not about my history. But it's about how I've cultivated my gift. So he pours out or he invests in the servants according to their abilities. I think sometimes we let jealousy steal our investments. Because we think, well, how come they got five and, and I, only got, I only got three? I only got two. How come, how come they get to do this and, and, and I have to do that? Well, you don't know what their journey's been. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what their story is and they don't know yours. And just because there was uh, uh, one of the, the servants that had five and one of them had two and one of them had one this time doesn't mean next time that the one that had two doesn't get five. We do know that the one that got one had it taken away. We'll say it in a minute. But the servant who had five bags, maybe he got two last time and he was good with it and he cultivated it and he used it. It says he gave two he gave five to one, he gave two to another, he gave one bag of silver to the last, and he divided it in proportion to their abilities. What have they done with what I've given them in the past? And then on the, and he left on his trip. And the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. And the servant with two bags of silver went to work, and he earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. That's really important. He hid the master's money. Are you hiding your gift? Are you hiding your gift? After a long time, the master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had used the money. Well, the servant that he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward, and he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. Do you think it was scary saying, I'm going to take something that I didn't even have on my own and I'm going to invest it somewhere where I could maybe lose it, right? 
but I feel confident in the master, and so I'm going to invest. Sometimes it's scary to use our gift. Sometimes it's scary to step out there. I don't really know. I don't want to put myself out there on the line. I don't, if I put myself out there, what if I fail? What if I'm not good enough? This guy, I'm sure he had that, that in his mind and he was wrestling with that. But he said, you know what? No, I'm going to be obedient because he gave it to me to invest, and so I'm going to invest it. And I have confidence that my master has grace, right? Because he knows the master. He knows the master. How many of us know the master? If we know the master, I have confidence that if I step out there, God's not going to let me fall on my face. God's not going to let me fall. He's not going to let me fail. And so I'm going to step out there to the best of my ability, believing that his anointing is going to pick me up when I fall short, when I don't know what to do, because he's filling in all those gaps. I'm going to step up, and I'm going to use those things that he's given me. The one, I'm jumping ahead of myself. He earned five more and the master was full of praise. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. In other words, I'm going to put you over even more things because you've done so well. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had two bags, he came forward. He said, master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. He says that on both of them. Even five, he said, you've been faithful in handling a small amount. How good is it to know that when we step out in faith and we begin to see results, God's like, oh, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning because, see, I, I gave you two this time. But that guy that had five, he had two before, and he did really well, and, and I was pleased. And so I gave him five, but what he has is, is still a small amount because there is so much that I want to pour out on you. So be faithful. So be faithful. Take those steps over and over again. And then it says that the servant that had one bag of silver said, Master, I got a story. <laughs> I knew I think it's really dangerous when we start saying I knew. Oh, I, I, I knew. I, I knew that that you were a harsh man. That you harvested crops where you didn't plant. That you gathered crops that you didn't cultivate. And I was afraid that I would lose your money and so I hid it in the earth. So here's your money back. It's really dangerous when we begin, we begin saying I knew because I believe that this servant right here, though he knew of the master, he didn't really know the master. Because that's not how the master is. That's not how the master was with the five and with the two. That's not how the master is. He said, I knew. But he knew from a position of the outside, not a position of sonship. Man, have you ever said this? Man, your parents are strict. Right? Have you ever been called that as a parent? Did you say that growing up? Man, your parents are strict. But what you didn't know was the story. What you didn't know was the love that was in the house. What you didn't see was the conversations that were being had. And we sometimes form an opinion based on the perspective of an outsider, not from the position of a son and of a daughter. Here I believe that this servant formed an opinion of the master based on what was on the outside. But he began to explain. He says here, I, 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 I kept the money, I hid it. I didn't use the gift that you gave me, but I hid it. And, and you can have it back just the way you found it. He's like, that's not what I wanted at all. I wanted you to be able to grow because of it. I wanted you to be able to experience freedom because of it. I wanted you to see the hand of God working in your life because of it. I wanted you to grow. I wanted you to experience all that I have for you because of the investment that I made in you. And he calls him a wicked and lazy servant. I absolutely despise the translation of that word wicked because we view it wicked as like a Disney movie villain. 
right? Oh, you are wicked. You are just going for the destruction of everyone. You're like Darth Vader over here. You're wicked. And that's not what he means at all. You're not Thanos trying to destroy half of the world, right? He says, you wicked. What it really means is hurtful. You hurtful. You hurtful servant. And lazy, he means slow to understand. The master was saying here, it hurts me that you would view me that way because that's not how I am at all. That's not how I am at all. One of the most, I, I guess the, the example that comes to my mind that, that is most relevant to me is, have you ever had your kids come to you and maybe you found out something and you're like, why didn't you just tell me? And they said, well, I thought you would be mad. I thought you would be mad. I didn't want to come and tell you because I was afraid. To me, that's hurtful. And I don't mean hurtful in a way that I'm coming down on them. But I mean, I need you, I need you to know me better. Because I just want you to be able to come as one of my kids. I want you to know that you have a place in the house. See, I don't believe here that the master was angry in any way at the servant. I believe that the master was hurt. It says, you need to know me better than that. You need to know that that's not the way that I am. You need to know that I love you unconditionally. You need to know that I have given you these gifts and I want you to use them because they will enhance your life and they will bring others in. I want you to know that my love for you is unfailing. I don't want you to be slow to understand. He says, if you really knew... If you really, you said that I harvest crops where I didn't plant. If you really knew what I was harvesting, then you would be saying thank you. Because I believe this, that Jesus came in and yes, the master harvested where he didn't plant. But what is he harvesting? I planted seeds of discord. I planted seeds of anger. I planted seeds of hurt. I planted seeds that will grow up and that will haunt my life for years. But what did Jesus do when he died on the cross and he rose again? It says that he came in and my slate was washed clean. Jesus came in and he said, oh, that, that seed of anger right there, I'm going to pluck it up and I'm going to plant my seed of joy. I'm going to plant my seed of peace. I'm going to plant my seeds into your life. I'm going to harvest the seeds that you have sown, and I'm going to plant my seeds. Yeah, I did harvest where I didn't sow, but I was harvesting your terrible seed, and I'm planting my seed in you. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I harvested crops that I didn't plant, and I gathered crops that I didn't cultivate. But why didn't you at least deposit my money in a bank? And then I could have gotten interest on it. And he said, all right, so take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags. And to those who use well, more will be given. And those that don't, and the ones that do nothing, even the little that they have, will be taken away. And the story ends there. But I believe this, that in that situation, God's response to us, because I know the master, is come on, let's learn a little bit more. Let's learn a little bit more. Let's grow a little bit more. Because your vision needs to start aligning with mine. Your vision needs to start aligning with mine. See, I have a vision for you that's so great. I have a vision for this world that's so great, but your vision needs to start aligning with my vision. If you're not using your talents and gifts and abilities, you need to learn a little bit more because your vision is not aligning with the vision of God. When I align my vision with the vision of the master, I steward his investment well. So the question is, do your desires align with God's desires. I want you to ask yourself that. Do your desires align with God's desires? In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires 
of your heart. Don't take that out of context. So many times, especially in, in the, the church where we believe, and I say we because this church is included in this discussion, where we believe that God's prosperity, that we have prosperity in Christ, that we have access to prosperity, that God wants to bless us. We're real fond of throwing around the scripture, oh, well, God will give me the desires of my heart. And we use that to go on TikTok and to pick out the car we want and to say, God will give me the desires of our heart. Right? We use that to, to, to drive around and see a house that's bigger than ours and say, I want that. God will give me the desires of my heart. But we're using it out of context. Because he says, delight yourself in the Lord and delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The word delight means to make myself moldable. When I begin to make myself moldable, then God molds me into his purpose and his plans and his desires become my desires. And so when that happens, then yes, God will give me the desires of my heart because my heart is aligned with his heart. My heart is aligned with his vision, with his purpose. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying at all that God does not want you to have nice things. I believe that God wants you to have nice things. And I believe that we can go out and we can say, yes, I, 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 would, I would love to be here. I would love to be there. God, I'm setting my faith. But what's your purpose? What's your purpose? Why do I want this or I want that or what's your purpose? And are you willing to sacrifice one thing in order for another? Every good and perfect gift, every complete gift comes from above. Every complete gift comes from above. Delight yourself in the Lord. Become moldable and pliable. And God will give you the desires of your heart when your desires align with his desires. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, I think that he gives us a very clear explanation here of how we begin to align our desires with his desires. Because that's a really easy thing to say. And we could be super churchy and just say, oh, you just need to do it because you just need to believe. Well, that's very vague. How do we do that? I want to put something in your hands that you can go out and you can do. But the thing is that I believe in all of these things, we need some help. We need, I can't just do it on my own. I need some help. God will never ask you to do something that you're incapable of doing. And so when he's telling us to align our desires with his desires, I believe that he's given us help to be able to align those desires. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he's talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to us. I believe that this is supernatural alignment with the vision of God. That this is the key to supernatural alignment with the vision of God with the desires of God. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Verse 26, I don't know if it's up there. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For when we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. I don't know, maybe I don't know what the desire and the vision of God is, but that's what I want to pray for. And so I begin to pray that God will instill his vision in me. And when I don't know how to pray, because I'm weak in my natural understanding, the Spirit himself, is the next part of the verse, makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. See, what this is saying is God's own Spirit fills in the gaps. We've talked a lot about filling in the gaps. God's own Spirit fills in the gaps for us with prayers that we can't articulate because of our finite knowledge. See, God who knows everything 
begins to pray through us and his very spirit is praying through us so that we can speak out things that we can't articulate because we don't understand. It says that he who searches the hearts, he knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession or stands in the gap for the saints according to the will of God. He's saying here that what God is doing is he's praying through us to fill in the gaps, and it's always according to the will of God. It's when we can't do it that we are having supernatural alignment with the vision and the desires and the heart of God. I just want to be clear because maybe you haven't heard it taught this way before. We're talking about speaking with other tongues. And that's a gift that's given to all of us. What are tongues? How do I get tongues? This isn't a message on tongues today, but I don't want to leave you hanging. What are tongues? How do I get them? In the most concise definition that I can craft, tongues are prayers that come from your spirit. They're beyond what you can naturally think. It's God praying through you for the purpose of bringing encouragement and accomplishing his purpose in and through you. I'm going to read that again. It's in my notes if you want to scan the thing. Guys, my notes are a train wreck, all right? I'm just letting you know. Um, it's scribbles and colors all over the place, and that's how my mind works. If you look at it and you're like, I don't know how the heck anything that he said was from that, that's okay. I get it. What are tongues? Tongues are prayers that come from your spirit. They're beyond what you can naturally think. It's God praying through you in order to bring you encouragement and accomplish his purpose in and through you. Why is it important that we speak it out? In James chapter 3 and verse number 8, it says, Indeed, we put bits in mouths, in horses' mouths, that they obey us, and we turn the whole body. Also look at ships. They're so large and they're driven by fierce winds. And they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and it boasts great things. See how a great forest, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set on nature and it's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil and full of deadly poison. You're like, man, that's kind of a dark scripture for you to be reading right now. Our tongue creates. And here he's saying, you can't tame your tongue. I don't know about you. I'm sure nobody else in this room can, can testify to this, but sometimes I, I say things that I shouldn't say. I bet there's nobody else in here that, that does that, but, but sometimes I say things that I shouldn't say. Sometimes I speak without thinking. Sometimes I let, I let anger speak for me instead of love. He says here, no man can tame the tongue. Well, congratulations, you're just like everybody else. No man can tame the tongue. See, but I, I see in the scripture in Genesis 1 that God said, let there be light, and there was light. God began to create with his words, right? Why did God need prophets all throughout the Old Testament prophesying of the Messiah that was to come? Because he needed it spoken. He needed it created. Your words are creating. But no man can tame the tongue. So how do I tame the tongue? Even in Proverbs, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. If I will yield my tongue to the Holy Spirit, then up above in Romans chapter 8, we said that we are always praying prayers according to the will of God because God's Spirit is praying through us. Why is it important that I speak in other tongues? Because I need to say some things that I can't say on my own. I need to create some things that I can't create on my own. I need to speak some vision that I can't speak on my own. I need to align myself with the vision of God, and I'm weak. I can't do that on my own. And so I begin to pray and let God pray through me and begin to create. 
I begin to speak out and begin to form a path before me. I begin to create a vision that's before me that I can't do on my own. God tames my tongue. I can't tame my tongue. God tames my tongue. These supernatural gifts are when I'm aligned with the purposes and the plans of God. And I believe that speaking with other tongues are a very integral part of that. I will not have supernatural gifts in my life until I delight myself in the Lord. Until my desires aren't mine, but they're His. They're not formed by me and the external things around me. They're formed by Him. And at that point, it becomes about His glory and not about my glory. And when it becomes about his glory and not my glory, then I begin to see the supernatural operating in my life. See, I can operate in natural gifts all day for my glory. God gave them to me to use for whatever I want. But I unlock the anointing when I give them back to him. And then his anointing comes in and it fills in the gaps. And then as I use that to its potential, and I'm moldable, and I'm pliable, and I'm speaking out, and I'm encouraging myself in the things of God. And I'm being molded and changed by His Spirit. Then the supernatural giftings are available to me when needed. I have to wrap up. Ten minutes ago. The supernatural gifts are where the anointed natural had reached its limit. And I'm supernaturally aligned with the purpose of God. I'm supernaturally aligned. So going back to our scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 6, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And to one is given, I think we have this up there, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6. Next verse. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The word of wisdom is having supernatural insight to a situation. Guidance, insight, supernatural wisdom. I just want to take a moment to explain what some of these things are. And it covers everything that you might experience as you're out there making a difference in the world. Supernatural insight on what to do. Guidance. It says, through another is the word of knowledge. This is knowing something that you couldn't know any other way. But you know it through the Spirit. It's given through the same Spirit. To another, faith. This is supernatural belief or supernatural persuasion. Or another definition of faith is a calm delight. A supernatural calm. How did Jesus remain calm in the middle of a storm where seasoned fishermen felt like they were going to die? A supernatural faith. A supernatural faith. I can remain calm in the middle of the storm. I don't know when the storm's going to come. And so I'm using my, my giftings. I'm using my anointed natural abilities. And, and I'm going along and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, there's a storm. And I didn't know the storm was going to come. But the gift of faith is poured out on me. And I begin to remain calm in the middle of the storm. And I think soberly. And I begin to prophesy or speak beyond myself. And lead in that situation. Faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Gifts of healings are, are healings. Body, mental, emotional. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. These are supernatural miracles that are being performed. In people's lives, I don't know when a miracle is going to be needed, but if I'm out there operating in purpose, I'm going to encounter a, a place where a miracle is needed. And when a miracle is needed, I have confidence that I have taken everything in my own ability and my anointed ability to its, its extent, and God is pouring out and saying, all right, you need a miracle right here? Miracle. Now you can go on. To another, prophecy. We said prophecy is speaking beyond yourself. Also, prophecy is telling of things to come. Telling of things to come. I don't need to know everything. I'm not a 1-800 number. 
right? Call Miss Cleo. That's not, that's not what God is saying right here. What God is saying is these are supernatural as the Spirit wills and tell of things to come. To another, the discerning of spirits or insight, spiritual insight, supernatural insight to the spirit realm. To another, different kinds of tongues. These are supernatural languages, whether man or heaven. Supernatural languages, when needed. This isn't like, like just the ability to learn languages quickly. This is, if I'm in a situation that I need to be able to speak a language now, there you go. It's a supernatural ability. And it may not be even something that you remember forever, right? But it can be something that happens in the moment. Another is the interpretation of tongues or the interpretation man and heaven. By one and the same spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Let me have the worship team come up. I'm going to close right here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. See, as we begin to align ourselves with the vision of God, as we begin to understand that God has given me a gift and an ability, and then he has poured out his Holy Spirit to fill in the gaps and to take my natural ability to the next level. And then I begin to walk through and I'm impacting the world around me through those giftings that he's given me. And I can say with assurance that I'm aligning myself through the words of my mouth, through my knowledge that I'm gaining through the Holy Spirit with the vision of God. Then God pours out his supernatural ability as needed so that I never have a gap, so that I never have a place that I can't come back from. But the thing about it is that all of those things happen as we level up into a place of maturity. As we level up into a place of maturity. Maturity is saying, it's not about me, but God, it's about you. Maturity is saying, that it's not about my glory and my fame. God, it's about your glory and your fame. Maturity is saying this isn't to draw attention to me. Well, the scripture says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not slow. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, but he's being patient. He's being patient with us because he's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. I believe this, that that verse is talking about two different sides of Patience. Number one, I believe that God is being patient because he's giving an opportunity for everyone to come to know him. The pastor said this a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember if it was on social media or if it was in here in just a conversation that we were having. But he said a lot of times people say, oh, Lord, come quickly. Oh, Lord, come quickly. But for me, we've kind of made it our motto around here. The Lord, wait a few more days so that I can bring more people to Christ. So that I can show more people your love. Be patient. Lord, be patient. He's patient with us. But I believe also he's patient with us who are believers. Because he's patient and he wants us to get to a place where we're using our gifting because he wants us to be a part of his plan. If God wanted it to just be a couple of people and he didn't care about us being involved and he wouldn't even mess with us. He would just say, oh, they know me. 
good enough, but he's patient with us because he wants us to experience the fullness. God is patient with us. He's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So if you're here today, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. That's why we do this. That's why we're here. If you've never received Jesus and you want to, I want you just to say this prayer for me. And Actually, I'm going to invite everybody in here to say it with us. If you're watching online and you've never accepted Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Just right where you're at, say this prayer with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me. Jesus, I need you. And I can't do it on my own. Thank you for saving me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 